Welcome to Manager Tools. You're not a psychologist. Part two. Here we go. This case answers these questions. How much can I analyze the thoughts of my directs? How can I understand why my directs do what they do? What can I learn about my directs' motivations that will help me? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. This episode of Manager Tools is brought to you by Roadmap, Manager Tools' new application that allows managers to roll out the Trinity, one-on-ones and feedback, and to monitor and measure every step along the way. You'll have a dashboard to see how you're doing, and we'll help you with every single step from scheduling your one-on-ones all the way through to reporting on how you're doing. Managertools.com, come see us. So that brings us to the other part about which is you're not going to understand them. Even if psychology folks were the right link in the in the chain of results causality, and it's not, to be clear, behavior is, because behavior is the closest to results that we want, and results is what we're paid to do. Trying to understand our directs is wasted. It's a fool's errand. We tell ourselves we can do it. We try. But the fact is, a lot of science here, we're terrible at it. Here's a simple way of thinking about motivations, personality, psychology, intent, emotional states, and so on, and behaviors of other people. So let's do a little mental visualization exercise here. Take a moment and pretend you're drawing what might look like a really simplistic solar system on a whiteboard with a dry erase marker, okay? You draw the sun as a solid dot in the center Okay, And for purposes of making it really easily visualizable, let's say that dot that you draw is about the size of a yellow peanut M&M. And if anybody cares to write to me with why that's significant, I have a winky face in the show notes for you. Then around that yellow peanut M&M, you can draw it in black if you want, draw two perfectly circular rings around your M&M sun Essentially, it would be like you would be representing the orbital tracks of the only two planets in this solar system we're drawing, okay? The inner track has a diameter of about a golf ball, okay? And the outer one is the diameter is about equivalent to the diameter of a baseball. So you're not drawing a very big picture. Now, fix that image in your mind. Okay, now, a little curveball. Completely forget about the solar system analogy. I only use that in order to make it easy for you to get the picture. What you've basically drawn is a crude representation of our discussion about psychologies and behaviors and results and so on. It has nothing to do with the solar system. It's just easier to I got sun, I got planets. Okay, now, now, exactly. Now get rid of that and just picture a dot and two rings around it, like a target almost. But I tried this, writing out how to draw a target and... It got confusing. Oh, maybe it's just me. I don't know. Are you saying you can see inside my mind, Mike? I know. I, I can't understand you. So yeah. <laughs> I tell people in the, in the company all the time, I don't understand him. I don't know where he's coming from. I don't get it. Yeah. But his behavior is crazy. <laughs> exactly. So therefore, he's crazy. Yeah. No. Okay. What you've drawn represents the thoughts, emotions, and behaviors of one of your directs. That yellow peanut M&M sun in the center is their genetic makeup, basically. That's the nature part of the nature versus nurture question, okay? Surrounding that genetic makeup, 
inside that first orbit is how your direct was raised, their personality, if you will. How we're raised finishes out the process that nature started in creating, quote, who we are, unquote, and, quote, how we think, unquote, and, quote, what we feel, unquote, right? Our personality gets formed during our formative years. The outermost band, the space between the inside and the outside orbits, represents the behaviors your direct engages in. What's in the outer band is what we see and hear when we interact with someone, their behaviors. Another way to picture this, perhaps, is to say, picture a baseball, and then mentally in your mind, picture a golf ball inside the baseball, concentrically in the same with the same center point. Now you are crazy. I've proven it. You are absolutely crazy. No, no, bear, bear with me. You know, if everyone listening to this had a license to our materials, and I'm recording this in what, October of 2017, where it's only $200, you could download the show notes, which will have a picture in there of this, and you could have read it and probably taken less time. In fact, we know it will take less time. Okay, everyone, come on, get off your rears. <laughs> Buy a license, make yeah. my life easy, because that's what this is all about. Okay, so if you think about it, baseball, it, it's like a turducken. It's like John uh, John Madden, right? A turducken, a turk. Uh, what is it? A chicken inside a duck inside a turkey? Everyone, I am so sorry. I know, I'm so <laughs> sorry. This is going to go down in, in history as a great manager tools cast and long. Um, so baseball with a golf ball inside it and then a little peanut M&M in the center. Now- Keep this in mind, guys. The only thing you see is the baseball. Knowing that there is a golf ball and a peanut M&M in there might, in fact, be true, but you'll never, you say knowing, it's knowing in quotes, because you'll never see it. All we can see in here is the behavior, the outside stuff, the stuff we interact with. Again, stuffed inside it is the golf ball, the personality, the drives, the desires, the fears. And that yellow peanut and them in the center is what they started out in the world with. We know everybody else's genetic birth material is inside them. And we know their personality is in there. But they're never to be seen directly. The shell of another person's behaviors is the only thing we'll ever truly know about someone else. And this is where this entire thing goes completely and utterly car wreck wrong. For some reason, most of us believe that we're quite good at intuiting or inferring or divining the personality of someone based on their behaviors. We literally see our job, right, as a psychologist, as somehow to reverse engineer the person we're interacting with. We know that chronologically they were born and then they were raised and they grew into the person we're talking to. But now, as psychologically adept as we are, Sigmund Freud, one and all, as naturally intuitive about other people as we are, as sensitive as we are, we're going to see and hear their behavior. And from that, magically, historically, perfectly infer their personality. And if we're even more bold, we'll take a crack at how they were raised. And in the most arrogant of deductive genius, get some sense of how their brain is wired, how they genetically got started to where they are today. And if you believe that, just remember your boss has done the exact same thing to you because she's so good she has seen to your core. 
I mean, just right there is like, no, yeah, that's that's actually not true. I know my boss and she doesn't know me that well. Well, guess what? That's what your directs think about you. And by the way, by doing this magical reverse chronological inference, we now truly know the person. We know what makes them tick. We know not only what they'll do, but how they feel about it and even why they do the things they do. All of this leads us to an enormous logical fallacy that goes like, oh, by the way, can I mention one other thing? I, I forgot to mention this. Yeah, mention anything you want. I mean, you talked about Turducken, so well, I know Turducken, um, Turducken, baseball, golf, uh, John Madden, who's awesome. Boom. I'm getting ready to address a group, I think in January, um, it may be sooner than that, of a bunch of deans of major postgraduate schools. I'm not going to say what uh, what specialty about uh, management. And, and I hate to say this, guys, but the smarter you are intellectually, the higher your degree and the more specialized your degree, the more likely you are to believe this about yourself. And in fact, the less likely it is to be true, just to be clear. Okay. So here's the logical fallacy that happens. I've got a direct of mine. We're going to call her Laura. Okay. I see Laura, my direct, engaging in various behaviors. I'm a pretty good reader of people, I think to myself. And I see some patterns there. Clearly, those patterns are clear to me. Those patterns give me some pretty good clues about why she does what she does. And so pretty quickly, you know, I'm able to have a broad picture of Laura's personality. Over time, the picture is going to be filled in with thousands of details. And then I'll be able to guess pretty accurately what she's thinking and what she's feeling at any given time. There are even times when I'm pretty sure I can guess how she got this way how she was raised, what kind of people her parents were. And here's the beauty of the gift of insightfulness I have. If I ever have to predict what Laura will do in some future situation, all I have to do is think about her personality, her thoughts, her feelings, her fears, her uncertainties, then project that person into the situation. And then based on a person with those feelings, thoughts, fears, uncertainties, emotions, motivations, and so on, I can then externalize a set of behaviors that they would engage in based on feelings, thoughts, personality, and so on. Because I know what makes her tick, I can predict what she's going to do. Mark, Minority Report, Horseman. That's I know. It, it, <laughs> dude, that's exactly right. Minority Report. I know what I'll want her to do in a future situation, a project we're working on together or something, versus maybe what she wants to do or thinks she wants to do naturally because of her personality. And because of my insightful knowledge, I can significantly influence her future behaviors. What better superpower could a manager have? Right? Yeah. And dudes, that sounds great in theory, but admit it, you've totally thought that. But look, guys, I'm going to say this again. All you have to do to appreciate the absurdity, the arrogance of this line of thinking is to ask yourself about yourself. Is this how my manager sees me? Is this how she thinks about me as a puppet whose personality can be divine and so he can manipulate me for future maximum productivity? Am I being manipulated by my boss? Is he psychologically controlling me like some marionette? Well, of course you'd say no. Duh, right? And guys, it gets worse. The real problem with all this too common intuitive stupidity it's not just that we can't manipulate future behavior very well, 
but that virtually every one of us is absolutely horrible at inferring correctly other people's motivations, intents, and personalities. You might think your efforts at shaping others' behaviors is because you chose the wrong motivator or the situation was somehow unusual. In other words, you tried and it didn't work. But that's not it at all. What happened was you were completely and utterly wrong. And, and I say you, this is true for me too. It's not true for Mike, Mike's special. But for me, this is absolutely true. What happened is we were completely and utterly wrong in our inferences about our direct personalities. And so the plan we came up with was total bollocks because we were just wrong. We inferred incorrectly. And then when we projected, we had the wrong personality, thoughts, emotions, feelings. And then what do you know, we then projected a series of behaviors that were also wrong. If we were this good at it, we would never be surprised by our directs. I don't know any managers who feel that way. In case you're not getting this, guys, if you're listening to this guidance, you're really bad at accurately inferring other people's drives, behaviors, desires, personality, all the mental stuff. Behavior is all you can see and hear. And your inferences about the drivers of other people's behaviors are wrong two-thirds to three-fourths of the time. Two-thirds to three-fourths. You might as well stick a fork in you. You're done. It doesn't really help us to solve the problem of how to improve the productivity of your team. But there's a reason why virtually everybody is really bad at this guessing and inferring thing. It's because, listen carefully to this now, you ascribe to others the feelings and personality you yourself would have had in order for you to engage in the behaviors you've observed or measured in the other person. In other words, most of us, virtually all of us, can only assume that the reason somebody did something is because they felt the way we know we would have been feeling in order to motivate ourselves to do whatever they did. But that's just stupid. It's silly. It's wrong. Yeah, I know this stuff, and I, I find myself doing this all the time. It is it's crazy. I teach it. I know it. And I, I have, I catch myself. I'm to the point now where I catch myself and I'm catching myself sooner, but I'm not in, by any means close to being good at this, but I catch myself and I go, wait, stop. What is it you want them to do? Not what do you want to think? What do you want to feel? What motivation? What, what, you know, what attitude do you want? No, no, no. What do I want them to do? Think about this. A high D, somebody like me, direct, no nonsense. Okay. Mike is also a high D by the way, but I'm also a high I, Mike's a high C. A high D has to be feeling giddy to hug somebody. Mike, would you agree? It work? Yeah, I have to have a, a gun put to my head. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Right. That's not quite true, folks. I, I hug my children. Yeah, you'd have to have just gotten a big win or something, and so you'd hug the people. Yeah, well, okay, children, separate thing. This is not family tools. But a high ass, somebody like Judy, who works for me, who's the sweetest person who has ever lived— a high S hugs somebody as easily as they're breathing. So when you're a high D and you see one of your directs hum hugging somebody, you ascribe to them the feelings you would have had, maybe giddiness, to justify their hugging somebody. Oh, they must be in a good mood. No, I, I, I immediately think there must have been a funeral. Yeah, something, right? Something. Which is just dumb because Judy tries to hug me through the phone every day. I'm in California. She's in outside Washington, D.C. High ass doesn't feel, need to feel giddy to hug somebody. If you're direct as a high ass, your analysis of their personality is totally wrong, will lead you to be a poor predictor of their future behavior. 
Let me give, give you another one. A high D, dominant, forceful, take no prisoners, rough around the edges maybe, sees his high C boss, high C, analytical, factual, logical, reserved. Uh, high D direct sees his high C boss waiting to make a decision. He thinks to himself, what is she waiting for? They must know something about politics or they're scared of something, someone reacting wrong, right? You don't want to get in trouble. Because the reason they say that is that's how they themselves would have to be feeling to be laying, pulling the trigger on a given situation that seems this obvious to the direct who's a high D. But in fact, the high C just wants to take longer and gather more data and have more people see the data so that when she asks for the funding, everyone will already be on board. To the high D direct then, the high C boss is delaying. And that must mean there's a problem. To the high C boss, we just need a little more time. We actually feel really good about this. Not that we feel that much. And we just need a tighter plan. And at some point, we'll have those things. The high D gets worried about the project. And the high C is astounded when the high D starts going around saying, there must be something wrong. And now the high C has to tell the, direct, the high D direct, hey, don't be doing that. You're poisoning the well. And the high D's like, no, you're the one that's messed up. We should be going. Yeah. So... We ascribe to others the feelings and personality we would have that would motivate in us the behaviors that we see and hear this other person engaging in. But again, you're right less than half the time. So guys, if you choose to take the psychological approach and attempt to infer motivations, attitudes, personalities, psychologies, you're going to be wrong when you predict behaviors a lot. And to put it more precisely, uh, for all intents and purposes, a lot means every darn time. So maybe the simplest guidance we've ever given, don't do it. Yeah. And this applies not only to managers, right? This applies to everybody, to include HR. Yeah. And I say neither can HR here. I don't mean to pick on HR. Um, there's a lot of great HR in the world. And if you have a good HR business partner and you think they're a high S, go hug them. If they're a high D, go fist bump them and write them a note and tell them, couldn't do my job without you. But what we've been describing is not manager stuff. It's psych and motivation 101 stuff. It doesn't just apply to managers. Like you said, it applies to everybody, including HR. The reason I mention HR is they're often the one you're talking to about a problem employee or someone whom you're coaching or trying to get promoted. A lot of HR professionals study psychology. I hate to say this, in, in the same way that every software engineer thinks her or his code is the best, and every engineer says, this is the only dot design that's efficient for this particular part or whatever, every HR person. And I use the word every to be funny, and I know I'm not funny very often, but every HR person says, yeah, well, let's try to understand where they're coming from. And in fact, this is a pernicious problem in the popular press around business and organizational life, this belief that we need to understand why people do things. Anytime you read that, guys, you remember when somebody says you need to understand why someone did something, what they mean is you need to ask them why they did it so they can tell you something that satisfies your curiosity while still hiding from you why they really did it. 
because most of us are not comfortable sharing our fears, our, our desires, our motivations, our intentions, if they're different than the power structure we're in. And if you've made a mistake, you feel like you're different than the power structure you're in. So HR professionals, good people, feel they're supposed to be gifted in figuring out and understanding people. So they often feel the need to pronounce their analysis and suggest possible courses of action. So again, I don't mean to pick too much in HR. Anyone who tells you that they can infer personalities or drives or desires or fears or loves or hates, and then tells you that that allows them to know how to get inside somebody else's head. By the way, they're also talking about you. Run for the hills. Don't do it. Especially, and here's the part that's, that I think is particularly dangerous, um, for those internal assets, including HR and others, relative to managerial life, especially anybody who spends far less time and therefore has far less behavioral data than you do about your direct. You're the most likely person to be an expert about your directs compared to all the other people arrayed around you in the organization. So when somebody comes up to you and does that, as my wife would say, nod and smile. Take their advice under advisement because everything's easy for the man or woman who doesn't have to do it themselves. There you go. Okay, so the the end of all this is you only have one choice if you want to be effective with your people, and that is to focus on behavior. Yeah. In fact, when you only have one choice, it's It's, not it's easy to make a decision. Right? I think one choice is actually a Hobson's choice. I think that's what this cast could be. We should create a new uh, map of the universe. Um node called Hobson's choice. If, if I remember my dialectical training, it's Hobson. Anyway, yeah, focus on behavior. If we can't infer or inductively figure out what somebody else is thinking to help us predict their future behaviors, right? What else could we do? We, we've lost our ability to see in the future, you would say. And the answer is actually, no, we haven't lost our ability to see in the future. You can still predict the future. You can predict the future uncannily well. And by the way, everybody will think you're a genius psychologist when you do that. And you do it without all the psychology stuff. There's a near foolproof way to predict somebody's future behaviors. Simply project their past behaviors into the future. That's it. Yeah. People aren't random, random devices out there doing hey, with some random number generators saying, well, what am I going to do today? Uh, let me throw the dice. Okay, I'll do this. No. People are generally set in their ways and habits. They're stuck in a rut in some ways. No offense. It's true of me too. If you ask anybody on managers, we're recording this on a Thursday. We have our weekly staff call tomorrow morning at 6.30 Pacific time after I have a pre-staff um, call with everybody on the presenting team. And um, if you asked everybody on the staff who, who interacts with me multiple times every week, but certainly at a minimum in operations, our operations call on Friday morning, predict a behavior Mark will engage in during the course of the ops call. I bet you everybody, none of whom is a psychologist, would say, oh, he'll interrupt somebody. If you're asking to predict my behavior in a future meeting, Mark will interrupt somebody. Right. And if you ask Mark a question, uh, this is a multiple choice, will his answer be five words, 20 words? Or 2,000 words. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? <laughs> People should write in and tell me what they think. Actually, usually it's one word followed by a thousand word explanation of the one word. And usually the word is no. No. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I was thinking anyway. the exact same thing. Yeah. So guys, rather than trying to understand your directs, 
right? Because you're not a psychologist. Just assume their behaviors will generally be the same in similar circumstances in the future. You don't need to infer. You don't need to think about people's makeup or upbringing or significant emotional events. Just think about the situation and ask yourself how they've behaved previously in similar situations, and you'll have your prediction. The good things they do, remind them to do them. The things that you think will cause things to go awry, get off track, tell them to stop. And if this sounds like positive and negative feedback, duh. It's almost like all the stuff we've been teaching for 25 years all, all fits together in scientific fashion. Isn't that convenient? Have. Feedback is all about behavior. Oh my God, it's great. How lucky you are. I actually just got lucky. Totally lucky. Yeah, lucky. And so what all this means is we've got to start paying attention to those behaviors. The words people say, how they say those words, their facial expressions, their body language, and lastly, their work product. The quality of their work, the quantity of their work, the accuracy of their work, the timeliness of their work, and the documentation of their work, and in some cases, the safety of their work. And if we do that, if we pay attention to their behaviors now, and they have behavioral patterns, and if you want help with that, DISC will do that for you, you'll be able to see magically into their future behaviors. No inference, no deduction, and actually no magic. Trust people's behaviors because they're going to do them again. Fortunately or unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Either way. Yeah. Hopefully in the long run, guys, more fortunately for you. So look, summarizing, guys, you're not a psychologist. Don't try to guess at the intentions or motivations of your directs. Focus on their behaviors. Encourage the right behaviors. Discourage and disincentivize the wrong ones. Forget about personality. That's voodoo when it comes to managing. Excellent. Dude, I enjoyed it. That was great. That's fun. That was a lot of fun. All right, folks. We'll see y'all later. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long. 